0: Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm the founder of Copyright Matters and the Copywriting Masterclass course. And with me as always is Kate Toon.
1: Hello, my name's Kate Toon. I'm the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the recipe for SEO success
0: today we're talking about clients. Um, Once you've got a few copywriting projects under your belt, you will learn that some clients respond very quickly and we love them, but others take a short ice age to reply. But how long is too long? When do you know your client is missing in action and what should you do? All this and more in today's pod. So, before we get stuck in, Kate, um, a little moment to help our listeners get to know us. So, we're not always writing copy. What are you watching on TV?
1: Oh, Game of Thrones! Of course, I've literally worked my way through back from episode one all the way up to date. And I'm, you know, when I see people walking around in the street, I almost sort of can imagine them in like Game of Thrones outfits. I've watched it that much; <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. Like I have totally binged on it. Love it, love it.
0: Love it. I have to admit I'm not watching the latest series, but I just have I just see all the mashable articles and I don't feel like I'm missing out on any of the stories or spoilers. But I have to
1: keep up, otherwise it gets ruined. So you have to I don't wanna I don't wanna know I had so many spoilers and I don't wanna have that this time, so I'm keeping up.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: What do you watch? I know what you watch. Gosh. What would you guess?
0: What would you guess? You're a hoovian. You're a hoovian through and through. Yes, of course. So naturally, there's no Doctor Who on at the moment because they're working out the new assistant. So I'm just going back through my back catalogue of Doctor Who. And actually, I'm backing it up with some Doctor Who fiction on my Kindle.
1: You're such a geek, but I also love that you're such an old woman when it comes to TV. Like your favourite shows are like Poirot, and what's the other one that you're watching in Sydney?
0: Miss Marple. Oh, Mids- Marple. <laughs> Midsummer Murders and um, yeah, Midsummer. Murder She Wrote. All you're
1: watching is like basically watch my mum and dad watch, and they're in their late sixties. I love it. It's All awesome. I want
0: is a blanket and some murder on telly. I know, a bit of murder, Not a little bit of murder. <laughs> anyway, talking right. about
1: murder, are there any clients you want to murder? Boom, boom. boom. Do you see what I did there?
0: <laughs> so let's get stuck in seriously yeah. now. We're talking yeah. about clients going missing. Um, you know, I love clients that respond really quickly to my copy. I love it when, you know, they hit reply and say, it's fantastic, it's amazing, very few minor changes and they pay the invoice straight away. I just, I love those people, but they don't happen... All that often. Um, As we mentioned in the intro, some clients take a long time and it could actually be for a few really, really valid reasons. You know, firstly, people are busy. Most of your clients have these whole other things called jobs that they're trying to take care of at the same time as um, getting the copywriting done and all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, might be your number one priority to get the copywriting to them, but it might not be their number one priority to get the feedback back to you, right?
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think, you know, Other depending on the stage of the project where your client has kind of gone AWOL, there can be lots of other factors as well. I think busy is one of the biggest, um, and as you said, like, they, you know, have you ever kind of contacted a supplier about, like, dog walking or something, and then you just completely forget to call them back? You know, just like people, who, copywriting is on a par with, with dog walking, you know, it's low on their list of priorities, but I also think it's things like, you know, not knowing what to say, so... I also think sometimes people don't know how to give you feedback so say you haven't heard back about a quote or proposal maybe the quote is a lot higher than they thought it was going to be and they just don't know how to come back to you and say that like it's a bit awkward so they sort of don't say anything and hope you'll go away um or maybe you know if it's at a copy stage maybe there's something they don't particularly like about the copy but they don't know how to tell you
0: yeah, that's exactly right, and I think, you know, okay. we'll cover this a bit later on, but giving yeah. the people some tips on how to do that can really help reduce the anxiety. And as we've said in a few other pods, a lot of times people have never worked with a copywriter before. They just don't know how it works. I have the same thing when I work with graphic designers. I don't know how to give feedback, and I get really nervous about it.
1: <laughs> I don't. I'm just brutal.
0: <laughs> I, I'm shocked, Kate.
1: Really? Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, I worked with designers a lot in agency land, so I got very used to having to feedback and getting their feedback on my copy, which was also brutal often. So, yeah, I think I just don't, that's not something that bothers me. But clients, I think, yeah, I think they really struggle to know what to say.
0: And that can be exactly why you, you don't hear from them. So, <laughs> so let's imagine you haven't heard from your client. Um, what is the first step? What do, you, what do you do first, your first point of contact, Kate?
1: I will shoot them an email, not some big... uh, I thought
0: you were (laughs) going to say shoot them. Oh,
1: no. Oh, stop it. I will shoot them an email, just a really short one, kind of saying, hey, are you... My line is always... uh, This isn't funny at all, but I find it funny. I'm like, I haven't heard from you for a while. So either A, you've been busy, B, you didn't like what I wrote, or C, you're trapped under something heavy and then that's when that it's so funny isn't it it's <laughs> <You're> actually <laughs> laughing um, you know and they'll come back and go oh ha, 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 see I'm trapped under something heavy but no I just send it a light hearted email saying hey it's been a while um, you know are you are you alive uh, is there you know, where are you up to with everything and if that doesn't get a response then I will give them a call but again I, you know, I'm going to raise the process banner again I have very strict processes so I outline all my timings at the start of a project and I only give my clients say 14 days to come back with feedback so if they don't come back in that feedback they're going to get charged more and I tell you that's a very great way of getting them to move along but we'll talk more about that later
0: on yeah got to keep people motivated because it can go on so that leads into how long is is too long um and I think it depends entirely on the stage so you know if we're just up to the inquiry stage maybe they've asked um for a quote how many quotes do you follow up on?
1: now none at all I don't ever follow up on a quote um, that is possibly because I'm just quite busy um, earlier on I would probably, you know, I, 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 would, I would follow up on every quote, at least one email because often, you know, you're sitting there in agonies thinking they didn't like your price but actually it just went into their junk folder and they didn't read it <laughs> or, you know, when you're reading three emails you accidentally delete one by mistake, that's often what's happened, so by sending up a quick follow up, maybe Two or three days later, after the initial inquiry, then people go, oh, oh, yes, I found it. Um, so, yeah, a quick email, two or three days later, I think. And then, I guess, if you're super keen, maybe another email a week or so later. But then after that, I really would leave it, unless you have no work at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then you can get your hustle on a bit more. But, you know, yeah. people might not be ready they might just be kind of scouting around I know I used get a lot of kind of oh I just want to figure out how much this is going to cost so I can budget for it and yeah. you know when if you get that reply like uh thanks very much but I'm not ready to start the project you can always like add a little note into your CRM or however you track client interaction and and follow up on them a few months later that's a nice way to kind of remind people about um business that they asked you to quote on but I was the same Um, I would follow up in the early days but I stopped following up later on because I was like I actually don't want any more work (laughs) right now I mean, often
1: what I think is a good idea to do especially with those inquiries and the proposals there's a couple of things, sometimes when people are, you know, they, they ring you and they're like it's urgent, it's so urgent we need it right now, I find that those are always the ones who then disappear I don't know why, I think, I don't know what goes on with those guys, those are the ones that never reply um, but then another point I think is what I sometimes did was I would do a, I would go through my little spreadsheet. I don't have a CRM. I just had an Excel spreadsheet, and I would do a group email um, BCCing all the people who'd emailed me and saying, "Hey, you know, we talked a, a month or so ago about working together. Just wanted to check if you found another copywriter. Totally cool. Just wanna I'm just." following up on all my leads and wanted to see where you were at um and that would often glean a lot of responses you know this was in the early days when I didn't have so much work and I did need to kind of push more so just a big group email like that they didn't know they were on a group email (laughs) do you know what I mean it was just a um, and it, it, you'd get a lot of response from people like, oh, yeah, sorry, my, my dog died or I've been away on holiday or I've been sick and now I'm ready to go. So it's, it's surprising how long after the initial follow up, you can follow up and still get work from people. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's
0: totally worth doing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And what about, say, after the first draft? Um, how well, I would I was... you follow up?
1: yeah uh, as a I often I often when I, I use basecamp to manage my projects so I know that the email has gone through there can be none of this oh I didn't I didn't get it whatever because I can see when the email went through I can see I can see what's happened you know what I mean and what I'll often do is ask a question a very simple yes/ no question in my um, email that I send with my draft, saying you know either just can you let me know that you've received this or um, you know do you still want this to be red or blue that's not a good example but something that's a very simple answer so that then they answer quickly and I know that they've got it yeah. because that, yes. th- there's a big difference between clients not getting back to you and clients not getting your emails which does happen you know it sounds like a classic client excuse but it does happen so Basecamp helps stop that and asking a little question and then as I said I have super strict processes so after my first draft my clients have 14 days in which to make amends and I'm happy to make up to two rounds of amends in that 14 weeks if they get them in in time so and i also give them a very clear timeline at the start of the project that says i'll deliver on the 17th and i expect feedback from you on the 21st or whatever so very clear and if on the 21st at 9am it's not there i will email them and if it's not there by 11am i will email them and say they've lost their spot and i'm going to move on to other work quite
0: brutal yeah harsh but you know you've got to keep people focused because even though we've just talked about clients getting busy and being busy and that's totally understandable if it goes on for too long everyone loses focus and people can't remember what they asked you for in the brief and what they told you and then you're already on to other work so I think keeping it speedy Um, is a good idea. I I would leave it say a week after you know I've handed copy over I think that's a, a reasonable amount of time and then I would actually I follow up with an email and I do the same thing ask a question did you get the copy did you have any troubles opening the file And that would be them saying, oh, yes, I got it. And I'd be saying, okay, well, this is just to remind you that you have until this date to file any revisions with me. I had the same thing um, as you, but I had 30 days. I was really quite generous with revisions time.
1: That's good, but I mean, you know, I think, you know, it depends on you and what other clients you've got on, you know, often that 14 days comes back to bite me because obviously I make them commit to it, but it means I have to commit to it as well. And, you know, that can be tricky sometimes. So I think you need to set your revision period at what works for you, um... And I also, but I think, again, this goes back to what we've talked about on a few other podcasts, that lots of copywriters think that they need to be led by the client, but really the client is looking to you to lead them. You know, you tell them when you want stuff, what you want them to do, what you want them to look at, what you want them to read through, and then they'll do it. If you just sort of, if you don't give them guidance, they'll feel lost. Um, And, you know, part of being a good copywriter is not just writing great copy, it's making your clients feel, really enjoy the process. Yeah. um, And although I am, like, some of my clients have called me, like, a copy dominatrix, although I do crack that whip, you know, people, some people come to me and say, gosh, I've been trying to get this copy written for two years and you've just got it all done in three weeks, I feel, and now I can build my site. They're they're grateful,
0: you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, it's part of our role as copywriters. Of course, we're really project leaders, in in our own projects to give the clients a little gentle, polite, but firm kicks up the bum that they need to get stuff done. So...
1: And especially if your client is following our, our rules, which is basically that you should always get your copy written before you engage your kind of designer and web developer if it's for a web project or your, you know, brochure designer, you know, generally you want the copy to lead design. So everyone's waiting on you. So the quicker you can get it done and the more you can crack that whip, the happier everyone's gonna be.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how long would you say is too long after the final draft? So you just said you have 14 days and if you don't hear from them then you just invoice them did you ever have do you ever have problems with people paying that invoice
1: no i mean the truth is most people bend to my my horrible firm will
0: so (laughs) also when it comes to it, if the
1: 14 days expired what i will do is i'll send the invoice and say hey you know just letting you know your amends period has expired here's your final invoice as agreed in the terms conditions but i'm happy to give you another week's grace on amends if you want to shoot them through and then people
0: do you know? yeah, and that looks really quite generous as well because you're like, Yeah,
1: and it makes you puts you in the uh, you know, gosh, I sound awful, but it puts you in the power position rather than putting them in the power position. You know, always make that final invoice dependent on something you do, not something the client does. Um so yeah, that generally works. I mean, look, I'm saying I'm hard and fast, obviously I've been these rules. When you're working with agencies and stuff, you can set up all the rules in the world that you want, but they are gonna do whatever the heck they want, you know, they're gonna follow the timeline. That they're, they're working with lots Of other suppliers. So I think it's good to have them, but, you know, sometimes you have to let them go. And then after the final draft, I'm done. I don't do anything else after that. I know you, I do now send a project sign-off document that kind of releases me, um, but I never used to do that. So now I have a little project sign-off that says we're done, you're happy with it, it's, you know, whatever mistakes are in it now, you're happy with them too. You paid the invoice, ARA. And once they signed that, I'm kind of free. Does that, do you do that?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have, because I had 30 days for revision, I would often wait until um, we I'd had the approval. So once I got that sign-off form, I would then send the final invoice. And for 90% of my cases, um, that was no problem at all. And I think, but it does open the door to challenges because, I, as you said, you know what I've done is I've waited. I'm waiting for the client approval before I can send my invoice. And that's basically me being um, a nice. chicken <laughs> about sending the final invoice. So I really like your approach a bit better, making sure it's something you do, not what the client does. Um, and as I said, in 90% of the cases, it wasn't an issue at all. But if someone was going to take their time or for some reason they were going to nitpick on me, I didn't have much power to then send an invoice and get it paid, which is tricky. And it led to some tough, awkward conversations
1: yeah I think there's an important thing to say to divorce the financial aspects of the job from the creative aspect of the job you've agreed to a a, a fixed price you've agreed to a set amount of work Um, you've delivered that yes there might be some niggles and things that need to be fixed but the majority of the work is done and you deserve to be paid and then I mean it's it's hard but that's the attitude I've taken and and it's worked for me quite well do you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. yeah we'll, we'll finish the copy we'll get all your remains done but my invoice is Jean sorry (laughs) yeah let's (laughs)
0: take care of that first then shall we
1: (laughs) yes exactly. exactly
0: so let's move on to kind of maybe how we can avoid it getting awkward in the first place um I think what we've hinted at so far. The first one is clear processes. It's all Kate and I. We're all about the systems and the processes, because um, basically no one likes being blindsided. As you said earlier, you know what part of your role as a copywriter is to lay it out for clients to say this is how it works. Everyone feels safe and snug knowing that this is your responsibility, this is their responsibility, and everyone knows what's going to happen and when. Um, but when you surprise people and the Expectations aren't clear, it can make them really, really defensive. And that's when things can go downhill pretty quickly
1: yeah I mean I think it's really important to have timelines to have clear dates um you know to talk at those through at that initial briefing you know say look here have the timeline ready um because my timeline is the same for every product I mean obviously projects obviously I extend it a little bit depending on how much work there is but um in terms of turnaround times I mean, you know, they're pretty tight so I'll be like here are your timelines do they work for you are you available on these days do you need me to add another day here or another day there talk about the timeline in the briefing and um, that's what I do um, and then there's no surprises whatsoever.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think um, uh, approval milestones throughout the project is another really big one that I used to use. Like, yeah, I get the the copywriting brief approved and signed off and then, you know, get them engaged on the first draft, get the final draft um, approved and signed off. You get the proposal approved and signed off. So there's this little gate where you can always go back and say, ah, oh, but you were happy at this point in the project and I think that just keeps everything flowing
1: yes exactly Um, I think you know it's all about constant communication so you know even if nothing's happening even if you've got nothing to say or you're late um, just sending an email to say I'm late I mean gosh you know I'm still doing I'm still a working copywriter so I still do the odd job and I'm late on a project today something I said I would get done and I haven't done it and I you know I I didn't I haven't even got around to sending that email saying I'm running a bit late Um, and I should have done you know because then what happens is the client emails me and goes how's this going and you're like oh I'm really sorry whereas if I just sent a little note first thing this morning saying I know I said I'd have it ready today I'm just running a bit late I'll have it to you by first thing tomorrow morning then they're like fine most people will be fine that's that's absolutely fine but if you've made them chase you it's uh, icky
0: Yeah, and I think that works particularly well, like even if you're not late, but you've got a really big project on. I would often send emails to clients to say, hey, I just wanted to let you know I am getting through your copy and I'm having a great time writing it and, you know, it's all progressing really well. And that just lets them know that something is happening because it's like a black void to clients
1: that's it exactly you, especially when as you said when it's a huge copy job and you, you're just in the thick of writing it they're just like is, what, are they still there is everything still going on so totally I really agree I think that's a great point
0: and then we have terms and conditions which we've kind of I think we've mentioned once or twice before but that you know making sure clients are aware of these before the project begins I have them in my proposal I include a link to them in the invoices but just talking them through with clients including information about your requirements, revision times, time frames, what happens if you don't hear from them, what happens if they don't hear from you, payment obligations, all those things that are really, really standard in the terms and conditions. But I think of terms and conditions as the rules of play. So, you know, it's really important that when everyone understands their obligations, I think projects just operate a lot more smoothly
1: yeah totally
0: so let's loop back to talking about that final invoice what were your conditions around the final invoice if the client just went missing in action
1: well, my payment terms are seven days. So uh, seven days after I send the invoice, it has to be paid. Uh, that extends to 30 days if I'm working with agencies or large corporates because they just only run payroll probably every 30 days. So, you know, you have to work with that. You can't be overly demanding. If the final invoice isn't paid and the date has come around, I might give them a day's grace uh, because of banks being pains in the bottoms so you know maybe two days after that seven days has elapsed i'll send them an email saying hey i'm just chasing up on that invoice uh it was due to be paid two days ago um and then maybe a few days after that i will send another email and then a few days after that i will call them and just say hey you're just checking there's no problems with that invoice Um, if i can't get hold of them um then you know i don't know i mean we've talked we've talked about this privately belinda and i but you know debt collection and all that kind of stuff but you know I've never had to go that far so generally a couple of emails and a phone call is enough to get anything paid in my experience but yeah I'd say I the agree the phone call that's the problem you know they don't want to actually call the person because it feels really awkward If you've got to remember it's your money they owe you it it's yours so don't feel awkward they're the ones who should feel awkward
0: yeah that's exactly right and I mine was pretty much exactly the same process I'd email first I was actually the day after it was due um, straight onto it all the time and being super polite because you know did you get the invoice just wanted to make sure there were no problems with it remind them it was overdue um, because stuff happens You know, people forget. More often than not, I would find that people were busy um, more than people were jerking my chain to manage their own cash flow because that happens as well. Um, But then to get on the phone.
1: Yeah. You've got to get on the phone. You've got to, you know, even if you just end up leaving a message, uh, it's, you know, as you said, for the people who aren't going to pay and who are being idiots, you're going to have to go down the full route. But I would say 99 times out of 100, it's just that they've forgotten. That's it.
0: Yeah, that's right. But I think it's important to have a a debt collection process for yourself to go, okay, I'm going to phone up one or two days after it's you and i'm going to do it every time and then i'm going to like i'm going to email then i'm going to phone but you can't kind of make this stuff up on the spot and you can't make it random you've got to have your own debt collection process
1: yeah totally and i uh, you know i think it's just about you know having an agency that you can call on if you do have um a debt collection agency in, in your area it's someone that you could use um but often even just the threat of a debt collection a- agency is enough, it is so, enough. you know um, i have a set of email templates uh, that i that i have on, on the copywriting school and one of them is around you know that email which says around you know uh, the email the invoice hasn't been paid i'm sorry i'm gonna have to refer you off to my debt collection agency now amazingly how quickly people pay after that email nobody wants to be dealing with debt collection a- agencies and what it does is it Again, although this sounds brutal, they become the kind of person who doesn't pay their bill. As soon as you use the word debt collection, it's like I don't want to be associated with that term, and that really makes someone pay a lot quicker. Until then, they might just think, "Oh, you know, I'll get round to it. I'll get round to it." But as soon as you use that word, they become a debtor. You know, they become that type of person. Yeah, yeah. No I one would, wants to be that person.
0: I would often um, mention the implications of that as well. Like that, that credit ratings are often affected, impacted long-term once a debt wow. collection agency gets involved. Wow, that's good. I've never done that. That's, yeah, that's, just, that's brutal, man. That was my second big gun. <laughs> but I actually had to use a debt collection agency a few times um, and we can put a... I'm happy to like share a link to the one I used in the show notes and because they were super, like maybe twice. And the first time, all it took was a letter to get someone's attention and they Mm -hmm. took a percentage but I got the money paid and then the second time um, it was a complete horror show and I was clearly being scammed by a schmuck and I never got um, any money from that one and they worked really, really hard to get the money back. But what I, what I learned from that experience is that I wasn't collecting enough information about clients to make the debt collection process for an agency easy. I had a name and an email address, you know, and that's just not enough to go on. So I really upped the amount of information I collected from clients in case it ever got to that stage, which it yeah. never did again afterwards. So, what sort of information were you collecting then? Um, Well, phone number, multiple phone numbers that I verified, um, a postal address and business numbers like an ABN and stuff like that. So, just kind of as much information as possible to make them trackable Mm -hmm. um, because a debt debt collection agency will charge you if they have to do like a deep dive search to find all that information out. Oh,
1: right. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either until it happened. Yeah, that's good to know. So I always get, you know, name, address, phone, a couple of phone numbers and an ABN. So maybe I should be getting more, but yeah. No, that
0: sounds like that's, I think that's a good level of information to get because they can work with that. But, you know, as we've said, often just mentioning it and being prepared to go through with it um, because it's not worth the grief. We've talked about this before. You've got to get your life back. And if you're getting all het up about chasing bills, just pass it on.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And um, so has it ever gone beyond that? Have you ever had to go to a small claims court or anything like that? Oh, I haven't.
0: Thank God, no. No.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know people who have, so a couple of copywriters in one of our groups have, have gone that far um, sometimes just out of principle you know because it is quite stressful but you know and you know I know that the particular person I know who did go to Small claims Co it wasn't a huge amount but it was the principle of the thing you know the work had been done it was just unfair and I think maybe maybe just a couple too many jobs had gone awry and, he, and the person was like right no this one I'm going to go and he got the money and um, you know I think it would have to be a substantial sum for me to go to that level um, but again the threat of it can be enough um, gosh this all sounds very negative I hope this is-
0: <laughs> yeah no, that's right I mean like in the next the next pod we're recording we're talking about firing a client so you know I think that's when we can dig into making sure that you don't have clients where it gets to that point
1: yes exactly I agree check them
0: early but this one's you know we're talking about people going missing in action and I think if if listeners if you follow even some of the tips that we've shared here you will never get to that stage you know and but if you it does turn a bit tricky and you have to have those awkward conversations on the phone don't beat yourself up about it I think all these things are learning experiences and you have to chalk them up as that and just move on
1: I agree, and I would also say, and this might sound a bit woo-woo, especially for me, but you know, don't immediately jump to the worst conclusion. Don't think that they didn't like your quote, or they didn't like your copy, or they're not going to pay you. As we've said a few times on on the call, most often it's just people being busy, or people forgetting, or people having other things to concentrate on. So don't, and also don't invest so much negative emotion in it and get all, as you said, head up. Just uh, you know think possibly that nine times out of ten it's just they're busy and don't get yourself in knots about it because that's what I see a lot of people doing like oh I haven't had any feedback and i remember in a bit and then it comes back and it's like oh it's all fine and you're like oh my gosh the hours you spent stressing about that and it was nothing you know
0: yeah, that's exactly right. And also being polite and nice when you're talking to clients in these kind of awkward situations, potentially awkward situations as well, because if you go into these situations all yeah. blazing and then they're like, oh, no, I was just busy. I've just paid the invoice now. And you're like, oh. Yeah,
1: you go in ready to have this awful conversation all het up with your notes and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this and I'm going to say And then they get on the phone and you're totally like <laughs> blown away. Yeah, That happens a
0: lot. All's well that ends well.
1: Indeed.
0: (laughs) And that brings us to the end of the pod. I think that was a nice little segue there. So let's end with a shout out to one of our fantastic listeners. Um, I've chosen Mac. Pritchard who left us an awesome review on iTunes and Mac said every episode hosts Belinda Weaver and Kate talk about the nuts and bolts of working as a copywriter much of the information shared focuses on freelance writers but anyone working for themselves will find useful tips here there is much good humor too oh thank you Mac Pritchard thank you Mac I think that particularly applies to an episode like today nuts and bolts
1: yeah we like a good nut and a good bolt
0: So, thanks to you also for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review. We love them. They make us feel good. We read them out on the show. I think that's the big one. We give you a shout out. Um, You can also head to the hotcopypodcast.com website, leave your notes, leave leave your comments, I should say, on the post for this episode. So, I think we're done, Kate. Thanks very much. Thanks, Belinda. Until next time, happy writing.
1: Can you hear that? (laughs) Why is there always somebody doing stuff? Like, why has somebody decided to come out with a pickaxe and start banging it? (laughs) Oh! Hey, pause. Yep, got it.